0: We're going to read uh, out of Exodus chapter 20. We've been working our way through the Ten Commandments. Uh, and each time uh, we've been starting off with the, the first two verses. And then today we'll come to the fifth commandment, which is in uh, verse 12. So Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And then verse 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord Lord, your God is giving you. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the chance now to come uh, before your word. We um, confess we're familiar with your word and many times uh, in our hardness of heart, those can be the hardest words for us to hear, the ones we're familiar with. So God, I pray. Uh, that these familiar words would have the same power and authority in our lives that you intend them to have. God, may we hear them, uh, even as Christ spoke them and reiterated them, may we hear them in light of the gospel, in light of what Christ has accomplished for us, who was perfectly obedient to you, our Heavenly Father, and a Father who has loved us as His own children. God, may we hear these words and may we be obedient to you today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Probably for some of you, when I pulled up that command, honor your father and mother, you're like, kids, wait, no, come back. I want you in here on this one. <laughs> I went, Wait, don't, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. I need, I need my kids. And so I, I maybe I need to bring my own kids and put them back here in the front row uh, so they'll listen here. Well, don't, don't worry if your kids are here at 930, you know, our 930 group, they study the same, <clears throat> same thing we do here in 1030 uh, <clears throat> in, the, in the sanctuary. So, so the, your kids may have already gotten it. Uh, but, uh, but we oftentimes in our minds when we hear, uh, honor your, your father and mother, our first thought, uh, is to the kids, is to people who still live in their homes. And so honor your father and mother, we equate to, uh, keep kids, keep, you know, keep your, what your parents say, obey your parents, right? And that's absolutely true. Uh, and so today, uh, we're going to give a sermon that's, uh, 10 ways to make your kids obey no matter what. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. That sermon doesn't exist, uh. And uh, that's I think God's got something better for us anyway. Uh, so, so this commandment certainly includes kids, obey your parents, but it can't be reduced to only that, uh, because this is a commandment giving, given to every generation. In fact, the first people who heard the fifth commandment were also the people that needed to hear the seventh commandment, which is don't commit adultery. So uh, the first people who heard this probably weren't... Your, weren't, weren't God wasn't you know, first speaking to the eight-year-olds when he said, honor your parents and don't commit adultery. Like these, these, this group needs to, everybody needs to hear all the commandments. So all every generation uh, needs to hear this commandment. So for some of us first primarily think of our kids, and that's kind of how we deflect this. But I, there's another group that I've thought about all week long uh, as you would first hear that commandment, honor your father and mother. And that's the group of people for whom this is especially challenging. When you think about honoring your father and your mother, you think, my, my mother and father, God, you're, you're thinking, surely not, surely God knows my situation and knows that my parents are far from deserving honor. If that's, if that's the group that you're in, you've been on my, my heart and my mind a lot this week, because I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to pull you, I'm not going to raise your hand, but I would think somewhere around 50%, I don't know, half, half of people, it seems like where, where because of choices your parents made, or life situations, or circumstances, or whatever else it may have been, this is, this is challenging for you. More than just, I mean, all of us have a hard time obeying our parents, but especially challenging. Maybe uh, in a lot of different life situations, things that have affected you, maybe it was uh, they, they weren't Christians, and so just coming from a different worldview and, and the challenges that brought, or... Or maybe uh, even, uh, you know, unfortunately, abuse is far too common, whether it be just verbal or physical in some form or another. Um, maybe, maybe your parents just couldn't provide for you. Maybe there was just a lack and there's things that were missing in your life. Maybe drugs or alcohol got in the way. Or, or maybe just too much work or too much pressure or too much sports or, or whatever it is. And you look back to your childhood or even to present day, and you're saying, this is a very hard one. This is a very hard one because of my situation. So God, God's intention is for our parents to live honorably. So if your parents have not lived honorably, I, I want you to know that it, that breaks God's heart and that's not the way it was intended to be. And there is a, there is a deep grief to that if this relationship is a struggle and continues to be, uh, has been and continues to be a struggle. Um, And so as we approach this, I've been thinking about this command and and also reminded, again, what we've said all the way through these commands, that the Ten Commandments uh, are not a way, not, not for us, nor were they originally for the Israelites, a way of earning our salvation. So God does not keeping a tally book for you to say, if you you honor your parents 95% of the time or better, then you get to make it in. No, these, these were always meant to be a gift of grace, always meant for us as a law. Yes, absolutely. God commands our obedience, but that obedience is a gift to us. It's an opportunity to walk closer with God. These commands are a gift and a gift of grace. And that is especially helpful for us to remember at the fifth commandment, because that's exactly what honor so often requires. Honor often requires grace. So if you, especially for all of us, this is important to remember, but especially if, if honoring your parents, as you look at your parents' relationship, if that's hard for you, this is a good place for us to start, that honor often requires grace. If we're going to treat somebody with honor, many, many times that, that honor is a gift of grace, not one they have Deserved. There are parents. There are great parents out there uh, that have deserved as much as somebody could. Uh, they do deserve honor, and I'd put my parents at the front of that list. My parents have just been incredible to me. They've provided for me in every way imaginable. Christian home that they just taught me God's word from a young age. I've been so so blessed by that. And Amber and I have celebrated that even this week. How rare it is for both of us to come from homes where we can look back and say we. We, we have no excuse for not honoring our parents because our parents have lived very honorable lives. I and mean, Amber's parents are ministry too, and uh, they've uh, just been incredible examples and mentors to me in the time that I've known them. And they're, they've got four biological kids plus four adopted and continue to raise kids. I mean, just if anybody could qualify for sainthood, I'd put our parents up there, you know? Like some people, I just they, they deserve honor, right? But sometimes, many times, and everybody probably fits in this category, it's kind of a mixed bag. You look at your parents or other parents you know, and man, there's, there's some honorable things in their lives, things that you could applaud and say, this was, they, they did this right. But if they're your parents, you probably also know them well enough to know their flaws and their mistakes and the places they mess up. And you say, well, you know, they're somewhere on the spectrum of honorable, dishonorable. I'm not really sure. But then there's probably another category of, of people, of parents, where you look at their lives and you say, it's hard to find redeemable attributes or either just that the things that they did were so bad and so devastating to their children that how how could we possibly consider them honorable? So we got to ask: Does is that what the Bible is honor in the Bible something that is earned? Is something that is merited or deserved? Is that how the Bible talks about honor? Sometimes yes. I got a good cross reference from Paul this week. He helped me see Proverbs twenty six one, which says, "Like snow." In summer or rain and harvest, so honor is not fitting for the fool. I like that. So, some people, honor just shouldn't be, shouldn't be there. Like, this person is foolish, and if you exalt them, like, that's foolish. It's like putting snow in the summer. So sometimes honor is something merited, something we deserve, that, that somebody who is living a right way should be honored. But over and over again in the Bible, we find honor completely disconnected from merit. That that's not the thing that's driving honor. That honor is not driven by how somebody acts or lives. And the most foundational reason we see in the Bible that somebody should be honored is that they are created in the image of God. That and that alone merits a certain level of honor and respect and dignity. So it takes James 3, 9 and 10, which says with with the tongue, we bless the Lord our God, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. James is saying, how can you do this with the same tongue? How can you bless God, worship Him, and then curse people who were made in His image? That doesn't make sense. He says, from the same mouth come blessing and curse, my brothers. These things ought not be so. His reasoning is simple. God deserves to be praised. God made people in His image. Therefore, they deserve to be honored and respected. Similarly, 1 Peter 2:17 starts with this. Honor everyone honor everyone that pretty much rules out this this kind of preconceived idea that i that i at least you know think many of us may may wrestle with that that honor is something that we earn definitely surely not not every single person deserves to be honored and yet here the bible is calling us to honor everyone love the brotherhood fear god everyone everyone should be honored Clearly in the Bible, honor requires, most often, requires a certain level of grace. It's not something that's deserved. It is a, a gift. And that can be very hard. That can be very, very hard depending on the situation. It's helpful to see that biblically we are, we are freed up from the role of judge. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. We, we are not left to, to take somebody's character or take our parents' character or anybody's character and say, do they make the standard for deserving to be honored? If that was a weight I had to carry, where I had to evaluate every person, like, should I, should I honor them? Should I respect them or not? Man, that would be an incredible burden to have to play the role of judge. I to, praise God, that's not my job. I don't have to have that job. My job is honor everyone. Honor your parents. We are freed up from that because honor is not based on merit. It frees me to read the Bible and to read this command as the way it's meant to be honor our parents Uh, first Peter 2 17 continues says honor honor everyone love the brotherhood fear God honor the Emperor so surely every Emperor every world leader has not earned merit Uh, similarly first Thessalonians 5 12 and 13 says we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love because of their work so there it says about honoring co-workers and bosses surely there's been no bosses over you that have ever been dishonorable right no there's been all kinds of co-workers and bosses and all kinds of people all kinds of emperors and world leaders who don't deserve honor so parents are not in a unique category of oh they always get it right of course not right just like everybody else we all mess up to some degree or another and yet the Bible calls us to honor Praise God, we we don't treat people as they deserve to be treated. We treat people better than they deserve to be treated because we've been treated better than we deserve to be treated by our Heavenly Father. Our our love for others, our honor for others isn't based on merit. It's based on who God is. Honor often requires grace. Jesus made this point in the Sermon on the Mount when He's talking about loving not just those who love you, but love your enemies, he says in Matthew 5, 46, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? He's saying, of, of course, everybody, non-Christians love people who love them back. That's, there's nothing remarkable or supernatural about that. But Christians imitate the Father himself when we love people who don't deserve it. Just like the Heavenly Father, he says, sends the rain on the just and the unjust. God is gracious. He gives good gifts to people who do not deserve it. And when we honor, when we love enemies, when we love those who are hard to love, we're doing just that. It is worth noting, in the same breath here, that that honor does look different case by case. Honor is required. It's it's commanded. But it does look different. It does look different case by case. John Piper appreciated an illustration he gave. He says, The sheer existence of a human being in the image of God and the likeness of God should call forth from us some kind of honor. He said, so my students would ask me, what do you do with a child molester or a rapist or a murderer or a leader leader of a genocide? And he said, one answer that I would give was, well, you don't shoot them like a stray ox that gorges your neighbor like Exodus 21 28 describes. You give them a trial by jury just because they are human and not animals. And that is a form of honor. That is a form of honor. So it's, it's worth saying that sometimes honoring our parents does look like holding them accountable, asking for repentance. Praying for a change of lifestyle. Honor does not mean commending everything they do, but it does come with a certain level of, of respect and dignity about how we relate to our parents. In the extreme cases of, of abuse, uh, you know, uh, uh, honoring them would look like letting the parents, letting, letting the authorities know. So there can be an investigation, it can be separation for the sake of safety. Honoring does not mean accepting abuse. And surely, I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't know people's stories, but I'm, I'm sure that somewhere along the line, children have been manipulated by people who claim to be Christian, and they've used this verse to, to manipulate people into accepting abuse. So this is clear, that's not what God intends here. He does not intend for people to accept abuse. God's not asking for that of us. He's not, he, honor would be doing the right thing, justice, pursuing justice. So we have to be careful with how we say that, how we say we should honor our parents. But it's worth pursuing a biblical perspective of saying, yes, honor is called for. Honor is required. Honor is what God commands. And it's worth pursuing because you'll notice that this verse comes with a promise. Many of these commands we've seen so far, uh, God emphasizes, underlines, kind of bolds them in some way. And this one, what it gets is a promise. The end of verse 12, or continuing through verse 12, it says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So in in context, remember, this is given to the people of Israel after they've left Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land. And he says, I'm about to send you into the land. And if you want to continue to flourish, all the, the nation of Israel flourish in the promised land and stay there, not be driven out by enemies. If you want to continue to flourish in the promised land, keep my commands like... Honoring your parents, that's where you'll experience the grace of, of the, the Father saying to, to us, experiencing my grace and experiencing my presence, right? Well, we are obviously not the people of Israel. We're not living in the promised land, but the promise still applies. If, we're gonna, if we want God's presence in a very real felt way, if we want to experience Him day by day, if we want to walk with Him, the path for that is the path of obedience, not the path of disobedience. Walking away from God's will walking away from his commands is not the path of experiencing his presence and his blessing throughout our lives it's running away from that so this promise still stands god commands this to us and he encourages us to it to honor our parents so that we may experience his presence and his blessing throughout all of our lives wherever god's presence goes that's where we want to be and so he says my presence goes with those who are honoring his parents honoring their parents it may be challenging for you and it may take Some prayerful creativity, depending on your relationship with your parents, to be able to honor them. It may not be easy, and yet it's an opportunity to experience God's presence, experience His favor and His blessing, if we can find a way, even in the challenging situations, to honor our parents. Which starts to get... So we we think about that, think about the way we honor Him, then we're thinking about how we get to God's very heart. Loving people who are hard to love, that's... uh, (laughs) God's, God's, God's the inventor of that, loving people who are hard to love. So if we start getting to there, we're starting to get to the heart of this command. We need to start with grace, but let's, let's shift to kind of the heart here. And it's worth saying, you know, we've been taking these one at a time. We haven't really taken time to, to see the, the structure of the whole Ten Commandments yet. So the first four that we've seen so of loving just There's just one God, so just worship one God. And the second one about not making an image of him and bowing down to him. The third one about honoring his name. Last week we said about honoring his day, worship on the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath day holy. Next week you're going to see a pretty significant shift as it talks about uh, when we get to six, about not murder and not adultery and then no no stealing, no lying, uh, don't covet, right? So those are all going to be about loving your neighbor. The first ones are all about loving God, honoring God, honoring God the way he intended to be honored. And the last part is all about loving neighbor. So let me ask you, which one does the fifth command fit in? Is it about loving God or is it about loving neighbor? The answer is yes. <laughs> it's about both. The fifth command serves kind of as this hinge point between loving God and loving authorities and loving our neighbor. And so I think what's going on, the heart of the, the fifth command here is honoring your parents is the overlap between loving God and loving neighbor. Honoring your parents is the overlap between loving God and loving your neighbor. That gets to the heart of how and why we obey this command. We are called to love God as an extension of the first four commands. I mean, sorry, sorry, called to love our parents as an extension of the first four commands about loving God. Our parents are given to us as a reflection of the Heavenly Father. We're meant to see in our parents a, a, a witness of, an experience of our relationship with God. Before we knew God, before we knew something like God could exist, we knew a parent. We knew an authority figure in our life, hopefully a good one. But we knew somebody around us before we knew a father, or knew our, our Heavenly Father. So as we grow up honoring our parents, that becomes our first demonstration and our first experience of loving the Heavenly Father. One, uh, one writer, Marshall Siegel, wrote Will you take this man and this woman to be the parents he God has chosen for you? to love and to honor them for as long as you both shall live. Using the, the, the marriage, the way we ask that in marriage so often, will, will you accept this, this group of people, this, this pair of people, these parents, will you accept them as a God-given gift? As hard as they may be, as challenging as they may be, will you accept these as ordained by God? We do not understand God's mind, we don't understand God's plan, but apparently out of the literally billions of choices that he could have given you, he gave you your parents. He gave you to them. And sometimes you don't know who got the worst end of the deal, right? It's hard sometimes. But we trust that God's in control. God God wasn't just, you know, rolling the lottery or something, or rolling dice and trying to, you know, just trying to place all these kids somewhere. No, God's God's in control. He he had a purpose, he had a reason he put you where He put you, when He put you there, for a purpose. When we choose to honor our parents, we're trusting God's plan. We're trusting that He's in control and that He deserves to be trusted. We honor God when we honor our parents. Jen Wilkin, the, the girls are using his, uh, her study book, and uh, really, she makes a really powerful connection to the Lord's Prayer. She wrote, We honor those who are seen, that our hearts may be trained in honoring he who is unseen. By confessing our elder who art on earth, your name is worthy of honor. We can pray with integrity of character. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Honoring your parents is a way that we honor God. It's honoring somebody. We've been put under the authority of God. We've been been under God's authority, but also the authority of somebody else. So it's our first chance to accept that humbly. To say, I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge in every room I walk in. There is somebody who is an authority over me. And learning that can be very challenging. And we first learn it when we see it with our parents. So then you see how that overlaps with with the way we love neighbor. We love God. We honor God the way we honor our parents. And our parents become the first opportunity to love a neighbor. One of the the hardest lessons in life is learning to love somebody more than you love yourself, isn't it? (laughs) We grow up and we are, are so self-focused. We get so, our, our default mode, kind of the, the default switch, uh, if you had a, a, as a toy, you're, you're, on, you're on self-centered mode. That's how you're born. You, you're born into that. And our, our, our default then for all of life that we're trying to overcome is to love people, to put their needs before our own. And your parents are the first opportunity to do that. And they're the first model of that. Parents are, you know, I know, again, there's all kinds of bad examples, but parents is a it, parenthood is a, a selfless thing it is tireless it is exhausting and and for so many years you are just giving just give 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 and just doing for other people living selflessly to somebody who can't do something in return but at an early age a child begins to develop this this somehow this attachment in this this they don't they can't explain it but they're like that that's the safe person I'm gonna I'm gonna cling to this person I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to this person and that, became, that begins to form into love, into a bond, into some way of loving somebody other than self. And that's what we experience in our parents. We're honoring God, loving God, and we're loving our neighbor. That is a form of love, and it starts at home. That's where we first begin to love our neighbor. Honor is about dignity. It's about respect. It's about the, the, taking what we view in our hearts, how we view them, and displaying that publicly acknowledging that love to them, expressing that love to them, and doing so with a way that gives honor and respect to our elders that come before us. We have loving God and loving neighbor. A few weeks ago when we were talking about revering God's name, we talked about how how strange that is in our culture because our culture is so casual. And I told you about being in the courtroom and how strange that was of of just the, the formality of that whole experience. I think similarly, our culture struggles with honoring people. We're, we're a very casual culture, and so we, we don't look up to authority figures. We want to bring all the authority figures down to our level and just kind of all be on the same playing fields. We don't live in a culture that's, that honors people just because of their position. We want to all be equals. In our society, we don't, we don't honor and revere the, the elderly. We honor and we lift up youth, youth culture. Everybody's about... Uh, trying to stay young and to stay, be able to do the things that youth can do and the things that the fads of our world are driven by everybody from like 13 to 25, right? That's, that's the age range where that's the, the popular movement. All of our sitcoms, everybody who's, uh, you know, a, of an older parent age, they're the fools in the sitcom. They're the ones that are made fun of and they're the, the foolish ones that everybody's making that they don't quite get it and they're out of touch with reality. Teenagers and 20-somethings, those are the people our media puts forward as these are the cool ones, this is the in crowd. The the rebellious teenage stage is is almost so accepted in our culture, it's seen as a rite of passage. That of course you have to go sow your wild oats or of course you're gonna rebel against your parents at a certain age. But we can be clear in the Bible, rebellion is a sin, not a right. This is not not acceptable. We We don't just accept the things that culture tells us to do. And if we look at different sides of the world, other cultures are not like ours, right? Take the Eastern cultures, kind of the Asian, the, the Korean and Chinese and Japanese. They, they don't lift up youth. They lift up the elderly. They lift up people of older generations. So we should be wise not to accept our cultural norms about what's right and good as far as the, the way we treat different, different generations. Leviticus 19.32, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Our love for the Lord, our love and respect for Him is mirrored in how we respect people of the, the generations that come before us. Do we honor them, or do we cave to a culture that says youth are the ones to be exalted? What would it look like for Christians to be the one who go against the culture and say, I'm going to honor the generation that came before me? That would be countercultural. Whether you're five or 15, 35 or 55, to continue to honor and respect the generation that comes before you. Uh, I don't expect all of the Western culture to have some major shift by a renewed emphasis on the fifth commandment, but you could, you could, you could shift the way you think, not just about your parents, but that entire generation before you to say, how can I show honor and dignity? Again, that doesn't mean you accept everything the previous generation did is right. You can question it, but do so with honor and respect. Biblically, I think God intends for us to extend this principle to the entire generation before us and then specifically to people other than just your biological parents who became spiritual parents to you. Surely, I I pray that you've had good mentors like I've had. I, I can point to all kinds of people a generation ahead of me, outside of just my parents, who invested in me, who have given me so many good things, have blessed me in so many ways. What does it look like for you to extend this call to honor beyond just the people that share your your last name, but the people who have loved you and invested in you. I think that's a very good application of honoring your parents, not in place of honoring your parents, but in addition to honoring. In different seasons and different different stages, honoring your parents is gonna look different. And so maybe for you, you're gonna have to kind of pray through in your situation, in your unique time in life, where you are now, what does that look like? But I think for all of us, the call is still the same. So honor your parents in every stage of life. Honor your parents in every stage of life. If you, while your kids are at home, for kids that are here or in the home, the primary way that you are honoring your parents is by your obedience, by listening to our parents. Parents are consistently having to give instruction, go, stop, do, don't, you know, constantly giving these kind of things. Uh, And my dad, it's, you know, funny things that your parents say that stick with you. My dad always said, uh, son, when your mom says jump, you say how high on the way up? You know, and that's good advice. That's good advice. To obey your parents, we, we so often say, when our parents say something, our first question is why or what or how, you know, or just ignore. So obedience is a, is a very hard lesson to learn. It's a good one to learn at a young age. But it's also a very, as, as hard as it is to learn, it's also a very hard lesson to teach. I think in the command here to honor your parents, there's also an instruction for how we teach our children. The implication is we are teaching them and then we're teaching them in such a way that is honorable. Not that that limits our kids, but we should be seeking an honorable life. Ephesians six quotes this command and then warns the fathers about provoking your children to anger. We don't wanna be the parent that's too overbearing, over demanding where where obeying this command becomes harder than it should be. As parents, the fifth command is is an opportunity to model and to teach honor. It's also, such, it's also a command to live in such a way that merits honor. Amber and I talked about this week, man, we, we can at this stage in our life look at our parents and say they, they deserve to be honored. We, we want to, to, to honor our parents. They, they've been so, so good to us. And we pray that we can at least keep that going, right? At least to the point where when my kids are my age that they can say my parents were honorable. I, I want that. For my kids and I, I pray that you would want that too. That our lifestyle, how we live, yes, they're gonna see our flaws, but that they would be able to honestly look at our lives and say, yes, they, they deserve to be honored. Eventually we do leave our parents home and perhaps in that season of life as yes, things change there's some, some shift in the relationship, maybe especially if you get married, God calls us to leave our father and mother and hold fast to our spouse. So that, that relationship changes it's no longer primarily defined by obedience, but it's still holding on to this idea of honor and dignity and respect, even as we grow up. And as our parents age, honor may get to the point where it primarily looks like material support, caring for them, meeting their needs. I think probably the first generation who heard this command, that was the first application to them. As their parents age in a world, you know, almost 4,000 years ago, pre all kinds of social security nets that we've got out now, the primary way they heard this command is as they age, it's on the children to care for them. It's on the children to meet their needs. And I know many of you are in that season or, or nearing that season now. As many of you have talked about caring for your parents and, and doing that in a way that's honorable and respectful. You have to make a lot of hard decisions around that, around that season of life. And what does it look like to honor them now? Are they going to live by themselves? Are they going to live with help? live with you, live in assisted living. There's hard decisions to be made there. But the good question to ask all the way through that is how can I honor my parents? In this season of life right now, how can I honor them? I would think no matter what season you're in, young, five years old or 85 years old, whatever season you're in, the best way, one of the best ways to honor our parents is with gratitude, isn't it? Our parents have done much for us. Maybe they've only done a little, but you can think back to ways you can be thankful for them and express that gratitude to them. If, you're, if your relationship with your parents is especially difficult, this is an opportunity to be prayerful and to be creative. What does it look like to honor God? Maybe that requires calling for repentance, like we said, but asking God to lead you to honor them in a godly way. I find it helpful and encouraging as we think about this command, no matter the season you're in, to remember the gospel that all of us have failed at some point or another. And for all of us, whether parents or not parents, our sins can be forgiven. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ did for us. And if you've been sinned against, those scars, those pains, they can be healed, not by you keeping these commands, but by Christ's saving work, that He can bring redemption in you. For all of us, but maybe especially for those of us who've been hurt by parents, it is good news that in Christ we can receive a heavenly Father who has loved us perfectly and is worthy of all honor. We don't have to question whether he's worthy. He is worthy of all honor. And for all of us, and again, especially for those that have hurt, been hurt, it's good news that in Christ, we can not just have a heavenly Father, but we can have a spiritual family. We can be brought into the family of God, the local church, to where we can encourage one another to be brothers and sisters for one another, to be that family that we need. Psalm 27:10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. No matter your situation, you can be brought into God's family. You can be a son, a daughter of the Heavenly Father who is worthy of all honor and all praise, and you can be a part of His family. The closing song the band's going to sing is uh, called The Blessing, which comes right out of Numbers chapter 6. Just singing those verses back to us is an incredibly encouraging. And and positive song, thinking about the way God blesses us and goes before us. Well, I want you to know this is for God's family, for His children. The reason this song is true, the only reason this song is true, is if your sins have been paid for by Christ, that He has brought you into the family. So we can say, yes, He is for you and He is with you. This command and the promise that comes with it, that you will have a long life in His presence, is about enjoying His goodness. We're going to sing of His goodness. It's enjoying His goodness. And that is true for every single person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. So I pray that's you today. No matter your family situation, you can be a part of God's family. And you can know that His presence is with you. And He is for you. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the chance to be able to consider you our Heavenly Father. Who has given us life and breath and every good gift we have. God, we are so grateful to know you for who you are and to be able to worship you for who you are. God, we, uh, across this room, come from very different places as we think about our earthly families. For many of us, God, we have only praise and only thanks to be able to say thank you for giving us such godly influences. For others, God, it's, it's more challenging. There's many, many hardships that are uh, represented across this room. But God, I'm thankful that for all of us, no matter our situation, we can trust in you today as our good Heavenly Father. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for bringing us into your family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.